Hi everyone, it's Jamie. I just want to share with you that my new book, Toxic Relationship Recovery, is available now. This book is for anyone who is healing after a harmful relationship, but it's also for people that are looking to identify toxic traits, toxic behaviors, and toxic strategies that get used upon people every single day. The second half of the book teaches you strategies to heal your inner voice and find your authentic self after experiencing this type of harm. I'm looking forward to you all reading it and hearing your feedback from it. It's available today. Find Toxic Relationship Recovery wherever you buy books. Very quickly, we just want to give you a quick trigger warning for the role play we are about to enter into. Use this with discretion. There is yelling. There is activation. There's a lot of escalation. So please be mindful when you enter into the role play. If you would like to skip the role play, skip about one minute ahead. This is Unlearned, a self-rising production. I'm Jamie. And I'm CA. And we are your hosts. This is a podcast all about deconstructing who we are and exploring who we are becoming. CA, are you really deep into that book yet? Oh, uh, hey, no, I literally just picked it up. What's going on? Okay, so I was volunteering at that Samaritan Center, and I'm not joking you. I ran into someone that was like the spitting image of your brother, like all about his story, everything about what. Can you, why are you talking about my brother right now? Why are you talking about my brother right now? Not your brother. It's the the guy that I met, that I ran into. That's, it, it just reminded me of him. Stop. I I don't I don't want to hear about it. No, 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 no. No. What we're not going to do is talk about my brother. Stop talking about it. I don't can we we're done. Stop. See, like I it wasn't it wasn't meant to be. I wasn't trying to make you upset about your brother. I'm just I was trying to tell you the story. Jamie, you're literally triggering me. You're literally triggering me. You're literally triggering me. If you say brother one more time, I'm I'm going to freaking lose it. Like stop it. I, I don't want to talk about my brother. I don't want to hear you talk about it. I don't know why you're bringing this topic up right now. Seriously, stop. I literally had no idea. He was so, I literally had no idea about this at all. How was I supposed to know this? I literally, stop it. Stop. See, you just like threw that book across the room. What the heck is going on? You triggered me. What do you want me to tell you? I, I, I told you you were triggering me and I, you wouldn't stop. I was trying to understand what was going on. That's why I wasn't trying to continue to talk about your brother. I was trying to continue to talk about what was going on in this moment. That's not what I was trying to do. Also, like, throwing a book, I'm not, like, I understand you're angry, but, like, that's not very, like, it's literally making me feel super unsafe. Like, what the heck? Oh, okay, so now we're going to talk about you? Oh, I'm I'm so sorry that you triggered me and literally pissed me off that bad. CA, I'm trying to explain to you that like I'm trying to learn about this stuff. I had no idea that this was such a trigger point for you. But also like I told you, you and you wouldn't stop talking about it. Yeah. Maybe you don't trigger me, Jamie, and then maybe I won't throw books. How about that? And scene. <laughs> ah. Well, that so- was intense. Ooh, let's calm down. I was getting yelled at. <laughs> Sorry, I love you. Are you okay? I am. <laughs> it's just funny. a role play, guys. <laughs> it's funny because whenever we were role playing in the brainstorm, my eyes started getting watery when she yelled at me because we practiced her yelling at me. <laughs> and my eyes literally started getting watery because I have such an, like, a body response to yelling. It's I very know. interesting. Um... My yes. body, like, doesn't like me yelling either. I'm like, right. 
Mm, let's just let's... go ahead and take some deep breaths. That was I fake, know. but my body didn't know it was fake, so I'm going to calm down. <laughs> well, this is a – that's another episode. We don't – we might not even know. Okay. Um, But, yeah, we are talking – about a very, very nuanced topic. We covered a little bit about this topic in probably what, like 15, 20 episodes ago. And one of the things that we come across in the trauma circles that we, you know, go into, we we keep seeing this this theme of when people are experiencing trauma, there's Sometimes you guys remember if you guys have been, you know, loyal listeners, you remember the stages of healing. There's a big issue that starts occurring if you stop your trauma processing at awareness. Because when you stop at awareness, it's not, there's a reason why that's in the early stages of healing. Um, It doesn't mean that you're not on the path to healing, but when people are starting to become aware of their trauma responses, of their triggers, of their activations, all right, we might run into a scenario that CA and me just modeled. It's hard to have awareness, but then know what to do with that awareness and then know what to do if there is a lack of connection with like processing or emotional regulation or emotional navigation. And so what sometimes happens is what we just modeled is when someone's going through something that is triggering them and that's valid, like we aren't trying to undermine CA's activation and the trigger that happened around her brother. And if you notice the, you know, friend was like, wait, but like you just threw something and that also made me scared. And like, this is kind of disrupting like the whole experience of how we can communicate and how like the safety we keep talking about when we talk about environmental safety, we talk about like sociological safety that does get very disrupted when someone genuinely, like if you go back to the model, the person that I was playing my role was like not purposefully trying to enter her deeper into the trigger. She was almost just like saying, wait, I'm confused or I don't, I didn't realize that about him. Or she says him, she says brother. And she's, and CA is now saying any mention of the brother is now making it worse and worse and worse. And it's looping and looping it, you know, and then we get to the point where she throws the book. Right. And so it's really tricky interpersonally when someone is trying to understand triggers of let's say their partner their friends you know people that are in their life family members they're trying to understand the triggers and the person that's experiencing the trigger doesn't really have access to process in a moderated way it's almost like a immediate processing has to be level 10 Right. Which means the processing is going through like throwing, screaming, like shutting down, like, you know, panicking, like stuff like that. And this is where we can hold a lot of compassion because we're not saying that CA needs to feel shameful that she had a trigger response. That's not what we're trying to say. We're not trying to place blame on her. What we're trying to notice is the nuance that is very tricky here where when someone's trauma responses pushes them to level 10 and then they have a trusted relationship that's now getting massively disrupted because something about that trauma response caused a very abrupt dysregulative state and like very disruptive very destructive possibly of course the friend is confused and kind of scared And even if, this is what's funny, even if the friend, which was me in the model, even if the friend was like, wait, I didn't want to trigger you. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that that's what this was for you. Like, this is, I'm sorry you're upset. Like, right. And then the other, the other side of that conversation, like CA said, was like, well, you're like, it's you, you are the reason why I threw the book. And here's, here's, let's break it down even more. With face value, 
sure, we could sit there and be like, if Jamie didn't talk about the Samaritan Center, would CA have been activated? So let's just give, let's just, let's just go into that logic for a second. As someone who's, who might be in the early stages of trauma recovery, they might be like, no, you don't get to tell me that that wasn't true. Like if Jamie didn't tell me, like if I was in session with CA and I was like her therapist and she goes, no, it was G, it was that girl. It was the girl that was like talking about the Samaritan Center. Like that was her. She was the reason why that happened. Right. Why is this so tricky? It's that she introduced something that was sensitive, was confused, was trying to understand that confusion. And in that confusion, it was escalating into a complete like trauma, full expression of the trauma response and the trigger. And now we're now talking about ownership of actions and ownership of processing and ownership of whether or not that was a regulated or a dysregulated expression right? And so when someone says, I don't have to have any type of like accountability because you're the one who triggered me, that's where we get into really muddy water. Here's an analogy that I am like visually that my brain was like concocting for me was if you've ever um, cooked with a pressure cooker or seen a pressure cooker in action, it's like this pot with this lid that goes on super tight and it gets like sealed with this like pressure valve essentially. And what I'm picturing is like your undealt with trauma is the pressure cooker. And if in that scenario, like Jamie accidentally came over and hit that pressure valve, she didn't do it on purpose. She didn't realize that that was going to release the steam. And so what happens with a pressure cooker is when that steam comes out, it comes out like flying, like full force. And it's like really, really loud and intense and it's actual steam. And like, it could like physically cause you harm if you like held your hand over it, if it got you in the face or whatever. And so what I'm picturing is like, she accidentally hit that pressure valve and this person whose pressure cooker got, you know, triggered, that valve went off, literally aimed it at the person who accidentally clicked that pressure that pressure valve. Right. And so it's like, just because the pressure goes off doesn't mean that the person whose pressure valve is now released has to literally aim the steam directly into that person's face. There are options, right? We, there are other ways to like, let the steam out. And like, so we're saying like, no, it's valid. This, the steam is coming out. Like that's happening. Like we're not going to invalidate the fact that this pressure cooker is now releasing steam, AKA a trigger has happened and your undealt with trauma is bubbling out the surface. And it's very real when that happens to you. It's very real. We are not invalidating that at all. What we're saying is even as that is happening, you have choices about what to do with that intense energy that is coming out and literally aiming it directly into the face of the person who unintentionally (laughs) hit that trigger point. What we are arguing in, in this, in this topic here is that that is not the correct or best course of action. And in order to not do that, you need to be a equipped with certain sets of skills and understand what the alternatives are and how else to approach a trigger when it happens other than just taking it out on this person and essentially causing more harm that's then later on also going to have to get dealt with, right? So it's like, you're already dealing with this undealt with trauma. And if we do that in a way that's harmful to the people around us, we're creating another trauma cycle now, whether it's the same exact sort of like absolute like replica perpetuated cycle that happens a lot in like parenting trauma, like parenting kind of like you traumatize your kids the same way that your parents traumatized you. But sometimes it's almost like it it like rolls into something else, like some other like variation of trauma as a result of you not dealing with your own trauma. And now this person's got burns all over their face from the steam, right? And it's like, now you have to deal with this new trauma cycle that was just developed. I was actually remembering in that like role play, 
I was, um, I know again, it was fake and it was a role play, but I like listening to Jamie's voice and like body language, there was absolutely like a freeze response that was happening. And so like, that's how I like looking back on it. If I was like watching the video footage or even the audio footage, like it's clear that there is like an active fight or flight, like nervous system activation going on in on this person on like the friend who accidentally triggered their friend, their body is now processing this whole scenario in a trauma way. Like it's like, Oh, Oh my God. Like there's safety is not there and they're trying to figure out what to do. And so now like their nervous system has just experienced an event that it has to process as a result of the fact that my, you know, me in that scenario, I was releasing all of my trauma pressure at this person who accidentally triggered me. So yes, that's where we're at. Yeah. I mean, CA put it like this when we were in our brainstorm, she was like, what do we do when we have a room full of people with different trauma responses and people are showing up with different either triggers or, I mean, trauma responses aren't always like active level 10 triggers, but if all of these people are around each other and they have all of these trauma responses, it's, it's almost like, is it a game of like, whose is worse or like whose is more intense or like whose is more valid. Right. And so like, especially in this case, because we purposefully made it. So the friend wasn't actively purposefully trying to make CA upset. Like she was mind, like did not like meandering around a question. She had no idea what she was walking into. And she was like, wait, whoa, I had no idea that this was a problem. You know, like she even was like, I just, oh, it wasn't your brother. It was just, he looked like, you know, like she, she didn't even know, like it was anything to do with the brother was going to activate her. Right. Um, so then we're looking at like, she didn't have that intention. Right. And then obviously there's an entire another conversation if someone did it intentionally. But in this case, that's why I tell people if we're developing relationships where someone is a safe person. And they don't always know what's going to activate you. They don't always know when you're reaching your trauma threshold, when you're reaching that moment of your day where you're like, if one thing goes wrong and there's one more sensory activation or there's one more crying child, my brain is going to shut down and I'm going to lose it, right? And so this is where we're talking about the both and, and you've heard this a million times in the podcast, but the both and is, As someone who loves her, the one who got activated, the friend that's not reading the book, I love her and I am going to work to not activate her, right? So I am going to like, let's just, we're doing the like, you know, debriefing afterwards. I would work to look at CA and while both of us calm down, maybe come back to her and say, I realize how important it is to make sure I am mindful of some of the pain and wound you have around that topic, right? She's not even saying the name, like around that topic, right? And she's saying to her, I understand that it is important for you to feel safe when we're talking. So you can know that when we're chatting, I'm not going to casually bring him up. All right. So that, what is she doing? She's saying, I'm trying as best as possible to create safety and a safe environment for our friendship to thrive, right? And this is where some people that have trauma responses are like, that's the end of the story, right? So she just acknowledged it. Exactly. And that's the end. Yeah. Right. That like, I'm thinking about the variation of responses to that, right? Like, let's go through the spectrum. Variation one would be if I'm super, like either not on much of a healing journey or very early on, just in that awareness stage, I would go, great. Thank you for understanding my triggers and thank you for avoiding them so that we don't have to have this situation happen ever again. Right. I've basically put the responsibility on you to completely make sure that you avoid ever bringing that topic up so that I don't have to get triggered so that we don't have to experience that behavior ever again, because it was you that made it happen. 
So it's you that's responsible for making sure it doesn't happen again, right? That would be sort of variation one of how to respond to that. Another variation, which I'm going to advocate for, would be me then, and this is what we really want to talk about in this episode, me in this like calmed down state, debrief conversation, being able to have the space, the space of mind and then peace of mind or whatever it is, the, what is that word? What's that phrase? Like the something of mind to acknowledge that as you were sitting there saying, I value our friendship and I want conversations to be safe for you. I'm going to hear that and I'm going to go, oh, wow. I want that for you too. And I'm realizing that the way that I responded in that situation didn't create safety for you. And that it's clear to me that as somebody that very much loves me and cares about me, I I, I can see that you did not in any way intentionally <laughs> try to trigger me. And I was so activated that I I really did lose sight of like reality in those moments. And that's on me. That's not fair to you that I made the, the environment unsafe at that point. And I really apologize. And moving forward, like, I know I hear you and I appreciate that you're going to do the best you can to not like bring that topic up, you know, like out of the blue. And at the same time, like, I'm going to be working on my end that like, I realize now, like, I need to know what to do in situations like that when somebody does bring up a topic that activates me because it might not be you next time. Who knows? It could be somebody at the grocery store or wherever. Like, I'm seeing where it's now my responsibility to manage my behavior around that trigger. Well, and this is where we get, let's say, you know, the counter is is what we why this episode is even existing right now. The counter is if I was trying to be in that like complete, like I'm going to be completely blinded to how my trauma responses are showing up to my environment, I could easily say, like, and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna channel the person that threw the book, okay? I could easily say to my friend, I could be like, thank you for apologizing. And, um, you know, while ideally I wouldn't have thrown a book, it's not my fault that my brother traumatized me. And you're like, and the friend's like, of of course it's not. Like, of course I would never want you to think that like, I'm blaming you for the trauma that you endured that created that trauma response that ended up having you throw a book, right? Like that's not what the friend is saying if she's like, I got scared when you threw the book, right? So this is where I'm telling you there's so much nuance because this is what we'll hear sometimes when someone's in a trauma response and they're like, so you're telling me that because I now, you know, flip out when I, you know, I... I'm trying to think of an example off the top of my head, but like basically like when I lose it really easily, I know it's hard. When I lose it really easily on people, you're telling me that because I've been able, that's the awareness stop, right? If we get stuck in awareness, because I'm aware that that was, that response is deeply rooted in some, you know, childhood protective thing. You're telling me that now, you know, I need to feel like responsible for, where that came from. And it's like, this. Is, do you hear how nuanced this becomes? Because we aren't, we aren't adding the, res- or honest, or like the responsibility. Like we're not adding like, you are responsible for the person that, ab- like you are the reason why they abused you, right? You're the reason why they abused you. You're the reason why that trauma occurred. Like, And because you're the reason and because your behavior is like, this is all your fault and we're just going to keep blaming you and you're the problem and everything is just all on you. And so that is what we need to break down for our listeners right now. Because when people hear that, they want to shut down. They want to never go to therapy. They never want to go to a doctor. They don't want to go to psychiatrists. They don't want to go to their friends because they're going to say, if you mean to tell me that when I start doing this work, you're going to tell me that I'm fully like the one that has to like carry this burden and I have to now be responsible for like all the things that happened to me. And it's like, 
if that's the all or nothing thought that you're going into, of course, you're not going to want to seek help. Well, I think what happens for some reason in people's minds is that they, they hear somebody giving uh, criticism or feedback about a behavior, right? Saying, hey, the throwing of the book, that is like not something I'm comfortable with. Like that made me very uncomfortable. It, you know, it it was violent. I, I know it was just a book, but like it is an act of like aggression and that made me feel unsafe and moving forward. Like I, I really can't like tolerate that happening again in our relationship, like in our dynamic, like I really can't have you doing that. That's not okay with me. Right. They're going to hear that and they're, they're going to get activated again. Right. And it's going to make them feel attacked and accused of being, you know, they're going to hear certain words and it's going to make, so, oh, so I'm aggressive. So I'm an abuser. Like, don't you understand that I was raised by abusers? You, you wouldn't believe the things that I witnessed as a kid growing up. Like you should, like, you should be thankful. It was just a book. I had literal lamps thrown like at my actual body. Like this is what I know to do. When I get angry, I throw things. It's all I saw growing up and it's what I learned to do. And that's just what happens. Okay. So like the solution here is to avoid the triggers, right? They're going to, they're going to try to talk through like, don't bring up those triggers because I'm admitting that I don't know what to do other than what was modeled for me. These sort of aggressive, violent expressions of, you know, outbursts of anger. So it's like, I am trying to use, okay, this is, ooh, this is tough. Okay, here we go. This is tough. It's so tough. I am acknowledging the pain that I endured growing up and the, the abuse or violence or neglect or whatever it is, the difficulty and the pain and the trauma that I endured And I am acknowledging, I'm in that awareness state, and I am acknowledging this is why I behave the way I do, right? These things happened to me. This is what I learned. This is what I do because I was very badly hurt by people, okay? And then I'm just stopping it there. And I'm saying, so therefore, that's reality. That's my reality, and that's going to be your reality in being in relationship with me because... That's (laughs) that's <laughs> that's where I'm at. And you calling me on and calling me in and saying, do you think that there's a way you could learn to process, uh, you know, the situation and learn to gain some skills on how to better respond to those situations? You know, like, I'm not saying that anything you just said is inaccurate. You're right. That is what was modeled for you. That is what you experienced. That is all you know to do at this point in time. And those behaviors have a negative effect and a negative impact on me and our dynamic. So what I'm saying is I'm calling out the behavior itself as problematic or, you know, like creating tension and difficulty between our dynamic. And I can acknowledge that that behavior came about through a place of trauma and pain. And I'm not saying that like, that's your fault necessarily. Like it's not, it's not your fault that these things happened to you. It's not your fault that that's how your brain and your nervous system got wired. And there are options at this point on how to learn how to better overcome this and how to better handle it. And so I think when people get into that really like, again, another like that activated defensive space, they're not hearing you criticize the individual behavior. They're hearing you criticize them as a human being and them as a human being is traumatized. And so therefore you are criticizing like their entire trauma life. And saying, like, there's something wrong with you as a human because you got traumatized 
and I can no longer tolerate you. And that's what we're going to try to like bring everybody, like narrow the focus and listen in closely to the nuance here. When somebody is like validly bringing up a concern about a behavior, that doesn't mean that they're rejecting you as a person and saying there's something wrong with you and the trauma, you know, like your trauma responses are your fault. Nobody's saying that, but we are saying that you do have power and authority over what you do as a person in the here and now. Mm, Right, right. And so if you think about a traumatized brain, this is why this is so foreign. It's such an odd concept to a trauma brain of what literally the sentence that just came out of your mouth, CA, like, what do you mean I have power and authority over my behaviors? Like, Trauma responses are unfettered, unmitigated. They have no, they just come like an ocean wave. Like they hit me hard. And by the way, CA and I literally have lived this. I've been in trauma responses where I literally, the second I respond at, like in a trauma response, my brain is shocked. I'm like, how did that just come out of your mouth? How did you just do that behavior? What the hell? hell was that about? Right. And that is one of my key like beacons of like flashing points in my brain is that's how I know that this is a very raw response in my brain. It's like very triggered response in my brain. What's extra difficult is that most people with a trauma brain don't know how to do self-reflection in a non-shameful way. Mm. Because once again, pretty much all that was probably ever modeled for them is that when their behavior was in question, growing up or in other types of relationships, when your behavior was in question, it was about shame. It was, there's something wrong with you. You are bad. And it was very blanket statement. And so when we're adults, And we are having that moment of self-reflection because same there, right? Like you have that moment where like you respond so terribly and you're aware of it. And it's almost like you're watching yourself do this. And then you're like processing it afterwards. And the first default that the brain is going to go to is that shame. You're bad. There's something wrong with you. How could you do that? You're the worst, right? That's the first place it's going to go to. And then what the brain's going to do immediately after that is try to find a way to soothe that, right? Because we don't like that feeling. We do not like the feeling of being shamed. And people have a variety of different strategies on how to deal with that feeling. One of them, which we're kind of getting into a lot that we're talking about here, is if I can justify the behavior, then I don't have to feel ashamed of it, right? And so I'm going to sit there and go, well, the reason I did that is because that's all I know how to do. That's what was modeled for me. Like, I'm the not reason bad. I, I'm not wrong. Right. right? Like, right. It, and the it, reason it's okay. I, yeah. The reason I did that was Jamie asked about my brother. Like, that's actually, exactly. right? that's how and I I'm gonna, relieve, yeah, the shame. That's how I relieve the exactly, shame. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm going to walk myself through some sort of justification process to where I can say the behavior itself is now allowed to be justified because of X, Y, Z, and A, B, and C, and D. But the other way that we can respond to that moment of shame, right? Or of like self-reflection where we feel like, ooh, I didn't, that was crazy. Like, I didn't like that. Like, what did I just do? What just happened there? Right? That was intense, whatever. And and to sit there and go, there is there is a way to self-reflect without shaming yourself. And there's a way to separate the behavior from that wounded part of you that like the behavior sprung from, right? And we can say, oh, okay, I can see it. I can see why that happened, right? And that's kind of what I modeled during that um, more like healthier version where I was doing the debrief with Jamie. It's like, okay, I, I can see why I responded the way I did. I saw that I was, I felt that I was triggered. And that's all that was modeled for me. And that was just what my body naturally did. And I'm not, I'm not in alignment with that behavior. I like real me, like when I'm like in my more rational mind and I'm reflecting on this, I'm looking at that and realizing 
I don't love that. And I don't want to continue behaving in that way. So I can accept the place where that behavior came from with compassion, right? We can be compassionate to that wounded person and we can be very understanding of like the structure around why our brains and nervous systems have the responses that they do to certain triggers. And then we can take that next step, right? We can take that next step of self-ownership and responsibility and go, okay, I know why I did those things and I don't want to keep doing those things. I don't love that behavior. I didn't like when that stuff was happening to me growing up and in my relationships. And I no longer like want to participate in perpetuating behavior like that. And so then you go walk into your next step of your healing where you start to actually gain skills around what to do instead. Right. And actually, I think that's such a good highlighted point for a second is that what would a technique be here? Like what CA just said, the technique of like spotting the shame, untangling the shame, being able to understand it for what it could be and then reevaluating and reframing it. All right. What's so cool there is like, let's say, let's say we took a step back. All right. And CA just tapped into this for one second, but I want you to, I want to expand it for a second. Because ultimately in this episode, we're going to start linking this to how generational trauma patterns occur. And to me, this is such an interesting way to look at it is if our processing stops at, I'm just aware that there was a trauma process happening. Like we said before, the end of story. Okay. Say sorry. Good. I'm glad you said sorry. The end. Right. That's where it stops because our brain stopped at, well, the only reason the trigger occurred was because of her, right? Well, then we're missing all of this extra data. We're missing all of the data that ends up becoming cyclical. So the data that ends up becoming cyclical is like CA pointed out before, it's not always going to be the friend. It might be a random person. It might be a new boyfriend or a girl or a person. It might just be a random grocery store clerk, right? So these, we're not always going to have full access and control to the people that are going into our immediate environment, right? So right off the bat, that's like a floating factor. So we don't have control there, but I'm actually, I'm also, I want you to layer this, like layer this as an understanding of like the behavior that actually occurred, right? So if we do this formulaically, someone introduced a trigger from the external, that trigger was immediately responded to and then immediately escalating in a very, very exponentially fast way, like very, very high, okay? Then because that escalation didn't have any skills to mitigate that escalation, it didn't have any navigational skills to get that into under control. Now the self exhibits a behavior from that activation. That, that behavior is the book. The book is getting thrown by the friend's head, not at the friend, but by the friend's head, all right? So now we're noticing that our, that's what we've been going over. The trauma elicited a behavior and our processing is critical of this moment. This is what is going to be the make or break moment of whether or not a trauma cycle will continue on for generations. All right. And so what I was saying is the cool trick here is let's take all the floating factors out. And if I looked at you and I said, would you at any point of your life, like a book being thrown at your head, just take all the factors out. Would you like a book being thrown at your head? By your head, near your head, right? And if we can validly say that would never make me feel safe, that would be an interesting skill set to add to the processing is you can say, what about the behavior would I want to reevaluate? Because obviously I had fear. Obviously I had activation. I had very intense feelings when I had to think about my brother, that was not that those were hard memories for me and you can validate it and you can be compassionate. And then you ask yourself, how did that behavior show up into the world? And it showed up as something that could perpetuate more 
harm. All right. So the question isn't let's shit all over you and say you're a terrible person because you threw a book. No, the question is what behavior could I start adapting or what skill set could I gain? What was missing here? Oh, it started escalating. What was missing is I couldn't de-escalate. I couldn't keep it. I couldn't navigate that burst. Okay. So we didn't have the navigation right right away. Okay. Then once the navigation wasn't in check, now there's an immediate like visceral behavior. So now if we don't have the mitigation skill, there's nothing to like to help like move it around. We don't even have that one. So what's going to happen? A behavior. Okay. So now what does the behavior look like? Is this just, okay, I need us to, I need to get out of this room. I, I, I understand that that might be abrupt for you, but babe, like I got to get out of this room. You go to another room. Okay. That is trying to manage the escalation, but you are starting to mitigate the behavior that's showing up in the environment. So as to not perpetuate trauma, disruptive safety, environmental things going on in your environment. Right. And so that where people are like, well, I don't want to feel bad about throwing a book, Jamie, why are you making me feel bad about it? And I'm going, hold on. If we do the work that I just walked you through, And I walked you through, okay, so now it's not throwing a book, but it's like every fight you slam the door on your boyfriend. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Slam! And I look at you and I go, when you are dialoguing with someone that you care about and you're trying to have conversations that elicit growth, and elicit understanding of each other, and someone gets escalated, would you feel as though the baseline allow, like the skill that should be defaulted, would it be safe to continue a behavior of slamming a door in their face? Would you feel safe if someone continued to slam a door in your face? And you would say, absolutely not. Like, I'm just going to leave them if they do that. If they, if they slammed a door on my face, I'm just going to leave them. And I'm going to go, well, why wouldn't they leave you then? Well, because I was, that was my trauma. So why would they, like, they can't, they're, they're going to leave me because I'm traumatized. Like, and I sit there and I go, okay, so this is where the Or, or they, or they further justify it and be like, whatever, like people slam doors and they're mad. Like, that's fine. I guess yeah. I guess you yeah. could slam a door in my face and whatever. <laughs> like that's the problem is you get so desensitized. Sure, some, tra- sure. some drama people get so desensitized. Right. And so this either, is the either way it's a justification way. though. Right. Either way they go, okay, well then they can just leave me if they don't want to deal with my trauma responses. Or they say, well, that's normal. Okay. So either way, nothing new, there's no skill sets that are continue there's no growth happening yeah. around that trauma response. It is if the if the fallback is you have to live with me because I'm going to stay in this trauma response and I will not be changing this trauma response, which means every time you fight with me, I will continue to slam a door. And then my boyfriend comes up to me and goes, I do not want to trigger you, but I also need you to understand that when you stand in front of me and slam a door in my face, it is actually shocking to my nervous system. Like I literally start shaking. It scares the shit out of me. And it is very hard to feel like we can have a safe conversation when the end of that conversation turns into this like abrupt moment where I feel like shocked. Right. And so if your boyfriend is standing in front of you and they're like, can you understand that? Like, could you understand why that would be shocking to our relationship and how this could further perpetuate problems? And the response is, what do you like? I, I'm not going to change. So, you know, get used to it or leave. And then, right. And so, it, but that person not taking any accountability for their actions, regardless of if those actions are in response to a trauma trigger inside of them, if they refuse to take accountability and make any changes, then what's going to happen is a trauma cycle gets continued. Whether that person stays in relationship with them or not, if they do, now they're also now part of the trauma cycle. If they don't, this person is still staying in their trauma cycle and they're going to continue exhibiting those behaviors with themselves and with others that do come into their life from that point forward. So really what we're getting at is how how do you break the cycle, right? Because this is this is generational and it's 
you know, multi-layered and then we, you know, start causing <laughs> trauma all around us, right? In our entire like web of relationship. And it shows up in a variety of different ways. And so how do we make those changes and take responsibility for our trauma-triggered behaviors without shame and in a way that affects positive forward growth changes in our lives. And I really do think that I, I like the technique that you pointed out of, you know, like maybe like when you get, when your nervous system does get deactivated and you're reflecting on the behavior, taking that moment to say, okay, is book throwing itself something that I would want if I was crafting the most perfect, safe environment for myself in any type of dynamic relationship, whether this is parent-child, friend-to-friends, romantic, intimate partners, do I want book throwing to be part of my ideal, utopian, safe environment? You're, if you're being honest with yourself, you're going to say no. Nobody wants that to be part of their actual, like, safe relational dynamic. That's a technique. And then the technique that I brought up of like recognizing and, and honoring when that shame voice turns on and going, okay, there is a way to elicit positive changes in myself that doesn't have to come from shame and self-deprecation. I can acknowledge that this behavior is a result of undealt with trauma. And that's not fair. That is not fair that little me was traumatized and that this was the default that was set for her, and that this is what she knows how to do when she gets triggered. It's not fair. It's not fair at all. It's deeply sad, and it's deeply frustrating, and I can mourn that and be angry about it and be upset that that all happened to me. And I can say all of that, and that's the compassion. That's that's I'm modeling for you what like inner self-compassionate dialogue or monologue, whatever, like sounds like that when I have a behavior that shows up in me that I know came from like a trigger, I can look at it with compassion and say, Ooh, I know exactly why we did that. I know where that came from. That sucks. That's so unfair that our bodies learned how to do that and deal with that in that way. I'm really upset that that happened to me. And I'm really upset that I behaved that way. <laughs> And there is a difference and there's a line between like we can, this is, I, I, and I said it again and I have to say it again because I, I really, this is extremely crucial. We can self-reflect and we can even be constructively criticizing of our behavior. And that doesn't mean that shame has to be involved at all. You don't have to shame yourself to elicit change. And let me give you a, a small little analogy, right? If I am like working on my golf swing and I'm viewing back footage of myself doing my golf swing, I can see right there, clear as day, ooh, you see the way that elbow clicked or like hooked in that way? Like that's why my ball keeps going to the left. Oh, now I know what I need to start working on and adjusting. And I can, I literally just watched footage and like with a critical lens, I looked at it trying to find where I was going wrong. Like, why does my ball keep going to the left? Like, I don't want my ball to keep going to the left every time I hit it. So I need to watch the footage to actually see where I keep going wrong. That is self-reflection and even self-criticism. Like I'm actively like looking for where the changes need to be made. But nowhere in there is shame. It's curiosity and it is um, conviction and wanting to be better. And then there's self-encouragement. Wow, okay, I see it. It was the elbow all along. Now I know what I need to work on and I can start readjusting a different way to you know, not hook my elbow in that way when I'm trying to do my golf swing, right? Well, and okay, with trauma take, behavior. You can, let's, yeah. Yeah, let's take that analogy though. But like, let's say you're watching it and you're seeing it go to the left and you're watching it and you're like, oh, well, pff, the reason I'm go it's going to the left is because that technique was taught to me by Uncle Jim. Mm. And you're like, 
Yeah, like, see, I, like, it was taught to you by Uncle Jim. He had a really, like, he wasn't a pro golfer. Like, he talked this to you when you were 10. And now you're trying to get serious about it. And you're watching that technique that he taught you. And you're realizing, does it work for you? Does it work for your golf game? Does it work for your future as a professional golfer? If you stick to your guns and say, that's how I was taught. So sorry, shrugs. Um, don't know what else to tell you. It's just going to lean to the left. Yeah. You're going to be super frustrated because now the skill is now the quote default skill. Yeah. And you're saying, well, that's what I was taught. Right. And so what you're asking yourself now, right, if I put this back into the body, the self is now doing that self-analysis and you're saying, do I want to continue normalizing book throwing? Do I want to continue that behavior? And when we talk about generational breaking of that trauma, what we are actually talking about is I'm sure some of the listeners have heard this exact narrative where their parents look at literally look at you, your own parents look at you and say, that's just how it was when I was growing up. I don't know what you want me to do about it. So you're trying to have a healthy dynamic with your parent. You're dialoguing with them. You're doing that same work. Maybe you're activating their trauma. Maybe they're activating your trauma. And you're saying, hey, could we have a healthy relationship? Could we start being really paying attention to when we slam doors and when we throw things and when we raise our voices at each other, could we start teaching each other like how to like interact with like civility towards each other? And the mom or dad says, that's <laughs> shrugs. Like I, uh, that's my default response. And you're sitting there and you're like, what do I do with that? What do I do with that? Because if I'm trying to grow interpersonally with this person, I don't know what else to do when I'm asking them to interact with me in a healthy way. And they're just basically sitting back and saying, this is how it is. I understand you don't like me to yell at you, but what else do you want me to do, Jamie? And you're sitting there and you're like, I cannot be your healer. I cannot be your threshold of toleration. And it sounds like you totally are okay with tolerating that level of vitriol in the dialogues, which is why we're pointing out in order to break the cycle, this narrative has to be developed inside the brain. Because without the narrative of, oh, that swing doesn't work for me, but this is what was taught for me the whole my whole life, without the actual constructive curiosity of, Do I want to continue swinging like that for the rest of my freaking life without that question being asked, without shame, without guilt, without judgment, and then redirecting the skill without that skill set? There is no other avenue for this energy to flow other than repetition because the brain is operating on a system. Think of engineering. A software system has not been updated, which means your default operating system is now in the heart of hearts, in the heat of the heat, you will actually throw the book. You will throw that book, even if you don't want to, even if your brain is saying, obviously it would be nice to not do this. Yes, of course it's going to be nice to not do this, but we're talking about the skill set. And we did this really early on. And I teach this to a lot of my clients. Hindsight is foresight hindsight is foresight, which means you're going to do the golf swing wonky. You're going to get a really bad golf game in. You're going to review the tape. You're going to use constructive curiosity. You're going to be very mindful of shame entering into the dialogue. And you are going to ask yourself, would I like to swing this way for the rest of my life? Absolutely. And I think if you can do all of those, even if you have to go back 15, 30 seconds and re-listen to that list that Jamie just gave, I think if you can do all of those, that really is, we we basically just handed it to you on like a, a silver platter there. Like that is the recipe for generational cycle breaking. And I'm not saying it's easy, not in any way, shape or form. Those defaults are there. You've been swinging that golf club like that your entire life. And it's muscle memory, baby. That is what your muscles are going to want to do. As soon as you walk up to the tee, 
that's your muscles are going to, and you have to be so mindful even before you walk up to the T. Okay. Now let's think this through. Usually when we swing, our body wants to do it this one way. Remind myself, okay, what are the other ways? What are the ways that I'm learning to deal with this, right? We do lots of like preparation work when we're doing generational healing stuff and working on these skill development. There's a lot of like preparatory thought that goes into certain interactions. And now you can't account for every, you can't account for every possible place and time when a trigger is going to come up. And there are going to be times when you're activated and you just swing the golf club the default way. But again, it comes down to during that self-reflection after those moments, are you able to do that self-reflection in a way that is mindful of shame, right? Like able to overcome the shame voice that wants to deprecate you in a way that's curious and in a way that takes responsibility for your behavior without giving you the burden of, you know, you're a bad person. It's your fault that this is happening, right? Like you can say, okay, no, I know why I did it. I don't know how many times we can repeat ourselves, but truly I think the reason why like there's so much repetition even in this episode is because this is what it's going to feel like in your real life, guys. It is going to be so much repetition that you have to like develop certain scripts in your mind to help you through these moments. And the only way to develop those scripts is repetition, repetition, repetition. And a lot of that stuff happens during that like hindsight halftime show, like commentary at time, like that's when it happens. Like we don't always have access to the skills and the scripts in the moment while we're still developing them. But during that reflection time, during that hindsight moment, that's when we develop foresight for the future. Oh, there it was. Okay. I can curiously take a look at where, where there's some gaps in my skill set. Oh, that right there. Ooh, that's a spot where I probably could have taken a deep breath or that's a spot where I probably could have walked out of the room or that's a spot where I could have chosen a different wording for this, that, or the other thing. And then next time you show up to a situation like that, you might not get it perfectly, but you might remember some of those steps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's what I like to, I like to go over the hindsight is foresight because it's actually in every other skill set development in our lives. Like, man, think about every single thing you've ever learned. Like everything, every single thing you've learned, you're going to, I, I liken it to like, you know, uh, like a kickball game or something like just do like a simple, like little kid game. It's like, okay, well, the, the, the team that's constantly winning is the team that like reviews what went like well and what didn't go great and they're like well where was that oh were we missing a team player today oh what was that gap about why did that ball get so far like what happened here oh do we need to move like players around what do we need to do right and so they're all post strategy and they're all talking through it and they're like okay let's make sure this 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 and this is this is there for the next game right and then the other team is just mindlessly showing up every week and if something goes right that's cool if something goes wrong that it is what it is, right? What do we hear? We're hearing the same themes. It is what it is. What, 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 how are we going to get better at kickball? Come on, come on. This is, it's pretty straightforward. There's really nothing, there's really nothing else we can do about this, right? And you're like, okay. Or the team that literally wins every single week, it's not that they have some special sauce or they're doping for, for kickball. No, (laughs) they are literally, they're, they are literally looking at what was executed well and what were the challenge points? What were the opportunities for growth? What were the strategies that could occur? And so when CA goes, when you're entering into situations where you're trying to practice, where do you get that information, folks? Literally, where do you get that information? If you are like, okay, I'm about to enter into a conversation with a close friend and it's going to be hard and I'm worried I'm going to get triggered, right? And this is all going on in your brain, right? Where do you get that information? Where do you get the information to prepare yourself? Past experiences. <laughs> right. But if you look at the past experiences and say, it is what it is. I don't know what I'm, what am I supposed to learn from that? 
everybody else was the one that like, I mean, like that other guy was the one who didn't do that. And this guy did that. Right. And I sit there and I go, there's nothing for you to learn. If you do not actually sit there with curiosity and say, what happened last time? Where was that trigger? What happened when I talked to Jamie? Oh, I threw a book. Do I want to keep throwing a book? But guess what? When you sit there and you're like, I'll talk to Jamie, but if that trigger happens, it's on her again. I sit there and I go, yes, if that ha- if that trigger happens, sure. You know how that's my specialty. If I keep actively triggering her and say her brother all the time, do not gaslight yourself. You know that that's happening on purpose and like that's a pattern and they're literally just like actively trying to trigger you. That's not what this episode's about. But if someone is not doing that and you're just like, well, she better not pick a different topic to trigger me. I sit there and I go, okay, well, we need to do the hindsight is foresight work. You need to ask yourself, all right, well, I don't want to be triggered. And if something does come up in this conversation, how would I handle that intense emotional like flooding? How would I, how would I navigate that? Right. Even in this scenario where you're dealing with somebody who is actively like trying to release your pressure valve now that they know, Ooh, that, that gets them going. Like let's, let's keep doing that. Then that's like, even in those scenarios, that self-reflection moment might happen where you go, okay, yes, this person is like actually now proving that like they're trying to hurt me by bringing up something they know is painful for me. And do I want to still for me, for who I am and who I want to show up to the world as, do I want to be a person that's abusive in the way that I react to abuse. And there, I mean, this is a whole other topic. We can talk about reactive abuse. Yeah, that is a whole <laughs> freaking topic. I'm not going to go down that. No. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole right now because we're at the end of the episode. But even in those scenarios, so if you can answer that question, no, I, I don't want to. Like I still, like I want to show up in a way that like I feel comfortable with and I feel proud of my behavior, right? Um, that's a, it's, it, it's going to be the same kind of like system of, all right, well, then what, what's in my control? What's in my umbrella of responsibility and capacity to manage in this area? So maybe not let Jamie in the kitchen. If she's not in the kitchen, then she can't push your pressure valve on your pressure cooker, right? So like, that's just one idea that I'm throwing out. And of course, I opened up a can of worms at the no, end it's of the episode. <laughs> the cl- cliffhanger, baby. Uh, <laughs> see you next time on Dragon Ball Z. Like, uh <laughs> Okay. Well, anyways, so this is no, but this is what we're actually thematically getting at is that many people who put their hands up and this is, these are a lot of the generations that came before us. They put their hands up and says, it is what it is. I am not willing to be acknowledging in any way that this behavior causes ripples. And if we have that theme and it, actually integrates into your own processing and you say I will not acknowledge that book throwing was a problem in that situation I don't care what you say I will not this is how the loop continues this is how the cycle continues right and so all of the things we went over in this episode how we interact with our internal dialogue, how we interact with the post situation, how we debrief ourselves, how do we talk about it with our loved ones afterwards? All of these things we're hoping that you can take away to start kind of get that gets that spark going, that gets that curiosity going, that gets that wheel turning for yourself to say, okay, when I feel that way, when I feel like someone's attacking me and I feel like I'm upset that, you know, that was like, what can I do here? How can I open that door? So this is what we are hoping to give you in this episode. We appreciate you so much. Um, one last thing. We did it. We got the boundary. <laughs> we got the boundary workshop. We got the boundary workshop. Yay. Speaking of, speaking of mothers and generational trauma, we <laughs> the mother that has no boundaries. Who has no boundaries? What do we decide on? It's the mother... <laughs> How to relate that, to the mother yes. with no boundaries. With no boundaries, yes. <laughs> there's, so, there's a word in there. So basically, if you are struggling with you as an adult and you are struggling with your parents that are not 
respecting your boundaries. We have a workshop out for you. We are so proud of it. It took us a while to get out there to you, but it is in our show notes. It will be in a lot of the other show notes too. And we are so excited to share it for with you. This is one of many to come. So we hope that you can learn a lot from it. We appreciate you listening today and we will see you next time. Thank you so much, y'all, for tuning in. If anything we said resonated, please subscribe and leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. This absolutely helps us grow, and we really do value your voice on this podcast. So if you have anything you'd like to contribute, any tips, any topics, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at unlearned at recollectedself.com. You can find us on Instagram at the unlearned podcast or individual Instagrams at recollect itself and CAs is at embracing divergence. You can also find us over on TikTok under those handles. If you want to join our Patreon for $5 a month, you can be our coffee fiend club member. And that's going to give you access to our podcast within a podcast, which is called unhinged. This is basically where we let loose completely unedited we are literally just shooting the breeze having fun you can see our full personalities and it is a blast honestly it's pretty fun so if you want to join us you can find that at patreon.com unlearned and that's it the last thing i want to tell you is i want you to be brave enough to fight for the person you want to become and this is how we do the work